So here we are again. I am really trying to keep my time frame of every two weeks dropping something new. And then the weeks that I do an interview, I'll do two episodes, if that makes any sense at all. But I've come to realize that I did, um, I've made a couple of mistakes in getting these ready. For one, I'm not introducing myself. Um, my name is Kara, and I'm just someone who wants to talk about things that are on my mind, and hopefully it, it helps somebody out. Um, secondly, I gave a shout out to Becky and Angela, and it was unclear whether or not I said our friends, referring to Lisa, uh, Lisa is my partner, and, and I as them being both of our friends, or if I said her friends. So just to clarify things, um, I consider Becky and Angela to be my friends as well. So takes a lot for me to reach that point in my my thinking, but I'm there, so um, here we go, let's keep going. So I want to give a shout out today to Rose, um, just for the record, Rose is a friend, <laughs> and um, she is also a Taekwondo instructor, and I want to get her on here and talk to her, because she is a, um, a very strong woman of faith. And she and I don't see eye to eye on faith, but um, we're both very faithful. And she's pretty much just a badass, um, but we'll get into that at some point later on down the road. Um, and that's, that's all there is. If you want to reach me, my Gmail address is moygrowth, so that's M-U-Y growth at gmail.com. Um, if you would... Share this with as many people as you can. Um, apparently, I'm a I'm a whore for the attention, and I I love getting comments, and I I love getting some feedback, and um, it keeps me going. So, this episode I've got notes, but I don't have a real script. So this should be an interesting dive into things. I'm thinking if I do it this way, then I'll be able to keep these going long term because it was taking so much time to write out my thoughts. And then I was going rogue anyway, so it didn't really make a lot of difference. So in this episode, I apologize, but you will hear me taking a drink of coffee um, or water or vodka. I mean, you really don't know what I'm drinking. It, it could be, it could be bubble bath that I'm drinking, which is really gross, but I don't know if it's as gross as people who drink hot dog water. Do you know anyone who drinks hot dog water? This is not hot dog water, but, um, I've actually known somebody who drank hot dog water, which is so gross. So let's keep going. Um, today I'm talking about advocacy. Um, I've had something pop up in my life um, in the middle of September. My mom fell and broke her hip and uh, broke her shoulder, um, which would be bad, but it's even worse because in 2000 she had a stroke and so her 
her right side was left weak from the stroke. So she fell and broke her left hip and her left shoulder. So she was very literally immobile for um, a couple of weeks or something like that. And it made me realize that there are things that we can do as the children of parents who are aging, um, the baby boomer parents, that we need to be aware of. And by, by no means am I a source of knowledge. Um, I barely scratch the surface on the information that's available out there. But the information that I do have, I want to share because it's just so fucking important that we know how to care for them when it's time to care for them. Um, I'm very fortunate in a way because my my partner Lisa um, and I have her mother living with us and her mother requires quite a bit of help. Um, but Lisa is such an incredibly good person that she insisted that we bring her mom home after she was in a facility um, at the very beginning of the COVID thing. So I think she came home in April. And there there are times when it's tough having Nancy here, but Nancy is her mom. And she's an incredibly kind woman. And um, I think that's where Lisa probably gets it. But um, she's a good lady. And, um, you know, she just wants to live out the rest of her life like anybody else with some dignity and um so lisa brought her mom home since lisa brought her mom home and lisa's actually cared for her mom at home for several years long before i came along and um <clears throat> excuse me so she has a lot of the secrets and she has a lot of knowledge because she's been in the system with her mom and she's been able to I mean, it's, it's, it's a river and it's, it's a rough flowing river. It's not a smooth sail by any stretch to get the services for your parents that you need because they're adults. And so it's, it's a different kind of beast. But, um, if we, if we back up and look at things, so my mom and obviously people in my, my, uh, my age range, I'm 50 years old, but my mom's a baby boomer, um, she was born in 48, so baby boomers are the kids that were created when um, folks were coming home from World War II. There was no Facebook, there was no TikTok, there was no cable TV. So people did the filthy McNasty with one another to uh, celebrate and to waste time. Um, filthy McNasty is not a technical term, in case you're curious, but, um, and I really don't think it's filthy nor McNasty, but it sounds funny to say filthy McNasty, and it makes me chuckle to say it. Sip of coffee. So the baby boomers, technically, or anybody that was born between 1946 and 64. I don't figure, I don't see how they figured 1964 as being baby boomer, but whatever. You know, I'm thinking the people came home from the war in 45, 46, 47. So that would be like 48, 49 would be the baby boomers, but maybe they just chuck everybody in that generation. But again, it, it really doesn't matter. Um, but this is the uh, the generation that 
you know, their parents came home from the war. They went through the hardest time in the history of our of our country with the Great Depression and then war and then um, and Vietnam happened to the generation that was born from from that. And the summer of love, um, which really wasn't the summer of love, and that, that would be something to uh, to look into. There's a podcast. I'm going to be bouncing all over the place. There's a podcast that I listen to. His name is Dan Cummings, and he um, the name of his podcast is Time Suck. I don't think he's done a Time Suck on the summer of love. That would be really interesting to dig into. Um, you know, there's so much that happened that summer. Um, Woodstock, assassinations of Martin Luther King Jr. Um, that was not, it was not a summer of love. It was a rough summer and, and very reminiscent of, of a lot of what we're going through now. But, um, maybe that would be a good time, another podcast to look into doing is just random history facts, but there are a lot of podcasts out there about history. So keep moving along. So anyways, my mom was, um, my mom is a, is a baby boomer and that's the generation now that is retiring. I just turned off my ringer on my phone. So that's what that noise was. Um, and there, there were so many people born. It was a, a baby boom. There were people that were born. Um, I mean, record numbers of people were born. So, um, those people are now in this this wave of people that are retiring and needing a great deal more health care than any generation before because our life expectancy has gotten so much longer. Um, there's actually a term for the, for the baby boomers coming into retirement age. It's called the silver tsunami because so many people are leaving the workforce at the same time, which is part of why... Um, workforce people who employ younger people now are they're more lax <laughs> in their requirements and and people who are entering the workforce today get away with more shit because there was such a wave of people that left and we just need people to fill positions but that's again another topic um so in uh, from 1860 to 2020 the life expectancy here in the United States um, right now, our life expectancy is 78.93 years of age. Um, and, and people are being kept alive. I mean, we're healthier overall, but we're also being kept alive long after our health has, has failed us, basically. Um, and that's neither here nor there. You know, it's, uh, we can get into the ethics of that at some point, but, um, it's neither here nor there. It's, it is what it is. And, um, so we have to provide care for people who are, who are still here. Um, again, I said earlier, mom had a stroke in 2000. She lost the strength on the right side of her body. And sometimes she has trouble spitting words out when she, she'll have a thought. And, um, she has trouble spitting it out. She understands absolutely everything that's being said to her. She, her mind is still sharp as a tack. She just has trouble, um, putting her vocabulary together to say what she needs to say. So she'll, um, you know, as an example, when she first had her stroke, um, she was wanting to tell us that she wanted to kick our ass about something. And she told us she wanted to lick our ass, and which was gross. 
um, and now she'll she'll go to say something, and um, she she'll have trouble. <laughs> she'll it's kind of funny, but I mean it's terrible that I laugh, but she'll want to say something and then she'll say shit <laughs> because somehow that breaks the uh, it's like a skipped record in there. Like she'll get a word that's stuck, and when she says shit, then that like bumps the needle and makes it go the way she wants to, and she can she can normally come up with the word that she needs. But anyways, um, I, I was sharing that because it's, because it's funny. Um, and mom is, mom is probably the strongest person I've ever known in my life. She, um, she came from a rough childhood. She, um, she had a terrible marriage with my, with my dad. You know, I say that, but I don't know that that's true. I don't know if it was always terrible or if it's just the parts that I remember that was terrible. Um, so you know, strike that, that thought. But the way I remember it is she had a shit relationship with my dad. Um, five kids bounced around from country to country every three years because we're military kids, military family. Um, so she never had, she never had a relationship with, um, with friends where she could dig in and establish roots. And, um, so she, she had to be very, very strong. My dad was very controlling and he would not allow her to, as an example, get her driver's license. And she finally, at some point decided, fuck it, I'm going to get my driver's license. Um, you know, he would, he would insult her. And, and I remember her, um, mom is uh, dyslexic. And so she didn't learn how to read or write as a child because she was labeled as mentally retarded, um, which was a term then. It's, it's, I'm not just being insensitive, but she was labeled. And so um, she went to a, a group called Reading is Fundamental, and she started learning how to read. And um, I didn't know my mom couldn't read until I was a junior in high school when she asked me to help her read because she found ways to play it off. And reading, she always forced us to read. We would, I remember we would have to read for two hours a night. And I always thought that was insane. You know, I was fifth grade, sixth grade, something like that. And I thought mom was just over the top, hardcore with reading. And uh, when I was a junior in high school, I finally understood why. Um, she did the reading as fundamental and was learning how to read. And my dad found out and told her that she was stupid and she would never learn how to read and she was wasting time. And so mom stopped. Um, you know, when I look back on that, I think, man, I, I just, I wish I could have cussed my dad out <laughs> because, you know, but mom kind of, kind of tucked that away. And then when she had her stroke in 2000 and she was raising my, my niece, Sandy, um, when Sandy was going into kindergarten, um, Mom learned how to read along with Sandy, and now she reads better than uh, than she did when she was growing up. I think the stroke probably helped rewire something in her brain, but Mom is such a badass that she decided um, she's going to learn how to read and damn it all. You know, she didn't have anybody around telling her that she couldn't do it. Uh, when When Mom left, my dad, I was... 16 and mom had no high school education um, and she left and took her 
the four girls, so myself and my three sisters. My brother was already out of the house and moved us into, um, I guess it's public assistance housing. It was a reduced rent, and she took a job making, I, I think one time she told me she made $12,000 a year, and she raised us on $12,000 a year. And I mean, granted, that was back in the mid 80s. And so dollars went a bit farther. But I cannot imagine trying to raise four kids on what she made. And um, we did okay. You know, we, we, we did okay. And um, mom's a badass. And um, that's what I've got to say about that. So our relationship wasn't always good. And one night Angela was talking and I had had too much to drink and, and we were out at a microbrewery and um, she was asking about my relationship with my mom and I told her that I would do a podcast on that so that um, Angela's kind of a psychological voyeur, I think, of sorts. It's, it's fun talking to her. So I'll, I'll go into some history on my mom at some point, but um, that's a little scratch on the surface of my mom. My mom's a badass, and we had a difficult relationship for a long, long time, but I've always respected the hell out of her. Um, she was always also a, uh, an incredible artist until the stroke. Um, once she had the stroke, um, she just didn't have the coordination to be able to draw and paint and do the things that she used to love, but she, um, she taught herself how to sew, Again, she's an incredible seamstress, and um, it took literally sewing her fingers several times before she learned how to keep her hands out of the way. She's taught herself how to how to knit and uh, and crochet, because my mom, my mom again, she's a badass. But anyways, um, in September, um, I think it's important to to go over where we were because. You know, Maya Angelou said once, uh, you can't know where we're going until we know where we've been. Um, and that always makes me think of that, that Barry Manilow song, I Am Your Child, um, where the person that we are today, the song is basically about the person that you are today is because of the parenting that you received growing up. Um, and there are exceptions to that, but I, I think I'm a strong person. And my strength comes um, because my mom taught me how to be strong and my dad taught me not to, not to trust a lot of things and to trust my instincts because the relationship with him was so bad. But um, that's, how's that for bouncing around? So mom fell, broke her left shoulder and her left hip and she was put into, she had to have surgery on her hip and thank God her surgery did not require, her shoulder did not require surgery, but um, she was non-weight bearing on her left shoulder for, for six weeks. So um, we had to put her into a long-term care facility, a nursing home. Um, we were very careful not to say nursing home to her because my stepdad passed away in a nursing home um, a year ago. Um, in fact, his, his death anniversary was while mom was in the rehab facility. And, um, so she fell 
And because of the fall, we couldn't, we couldn't take care of her at home because she was literally immobile for the first, gosh, two weeks. She couldn't, she couldn't sit up in bed. She couldn't, um, because she couldn't use her left shoulder and her right side was, I mean, baby weak. And, um, she had surgery a week later. She was... Um, released to the long-term care facility, and I'm not I'm not going to say the name of the facility because um, there may be something happening in the future with it. And the first night that she got there, they parked her in a room, a dark room. She got admitted um, after 11 o'clock at night, and they parked her, and um, they didn't explain to her what's going on or what to expect, and uh, they didn't give her a call button, and they didn't give her her cell phone. And she was terrified. And I just found this out a couple of days ago. And I can't imagine being completely immobile, unable to get up, to go to the bathroom, just take care of your basic bodily needs, and being put in a room, a dark room. You don't know where you are. You're in pain. You know that you're in a a facility that's not good um and it was one of the better ones in the city and we were recommended to go to um by a paramedic and um to be abandoned you know at some point she was able to get her cell phone and from there on her cell phone was her lifeline because bear in mind with covid um there are no visitors we can't get in to, to be with her to help reassure her and keep her calm. There are, um, (laughs) my dog is dreaming in the background, but my, um, my mom was terrified. And so she got hold of her cell phone and she called me at like midnight screaming in a panic, asking me to call the police and get her out of there. Um, and I had to talk her down and tell her it's temporary. We'll get you out of there as fast as we can get you out of there. The next day, she had a panic attack, and we didn't know if she was having a stroke or if she was having a heart attack, but we insisted that the ambulance take her to the ER. And so she went to the ER, and she was checked out, and it was established that she was having a panic attack. They gave her something to help with that, and um, it's this is TMI, but I'm going to tell you because it, it comes into play. Um, she was having trouble holding her bowels and so they gave her something for that also and um sent her back to the facility um during the next two weeks she called us every single day because she was either sitting in her own waist or sitting on a bedpan and and not sitting in her bedpan uh, on her bedpan or in her waist for 15 or 20 minutes mom was trying to protect us And in her attempt to protect us, um, she wouldn't call us for an hour and a half to two hours after she had hit her call button for care. Um, The first weekend that she was there, she was left in her waist for, again, in excess of two hours. And um, we couldn't see her. We we could tap on the window. Um, We could see her waving through the window, but she wasn't turned to a, in a way that we could see her through the window. It was fucking awful. 
Um, but somehow seeing her wave was reassuring. But the first weekend that she was there, uh, we, we, my niece, Stephanie, oh, shout out to Stephanie, holla. And I um, went up there and found a call button on the building because we couldn't get hold of anybody to answer the phone to go take care of her. And so that was our first interaction with the nursing staff. Uh, they went in and immediately helped her and um, we established that the, earlier that day we, we told them that the call button wasn't working, they switched it out and they had a call button in there for her that she couldn't use because of her weakness. So they switched out the call button and cleaned her up. Um, that was the first weekend and they promised them that they would take care of her and they would they would do everything in their power to make sure she was toileted, it's a term, correctly. Um, fast forward two weeks and um, mom was in a terrible amount of pain and um, we took her to the hospital and uh, she had TMI, man, everything is going to be going on with the toileting here. Um, she had a fecal impaction because um, the emodium that they had been giving her had, had backed her up. And so we took her to the ER and my, um, my grandfather died. Uh, her dad died from a ruptured bowel. Um, so mom was well aware of what could have happened with this. So she went back to the facility because she's not strong enough yet to go to a, uh, an acute in-house rehab facility. We took her back and um, two weeks later, so this is now, she's in her sixth week at the facility or the beginning of her sixth week since she broke her hip. So she's five weeks into the facility and um, she, uh, she called and was talking to me. At this point, she's walking. I mean, she's getting up and she's, you know, walking a hundred steps a day and she's, she's doing exercises to strengthen her right arm and she's, um, you know, whatever the therapists at the facility would tell her to do, she would go above and beyond to build her strength. And, um, again, my mom is a badass. Um, but on this day she was in pain and she wanted to go to the, to the ER again. And, um, you know, I, I thought she had a backache. So I didn't, I didn't push. And then she called me an hour later when she knew the nurse was supposed to be in and asked if the ambulance was going to be there. And it turns out she, um, she had a UTI and the UTI was bad enough that they had to put her on IV antibiotics and morphine to, to ease her pain. And, um, you know, just a little more insight into the way that her brain had to have been working. My stepdad, John, passed away, again, a year almost to the day earlier um, from complications from a UTI. So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a secret on how, how bad the UTI could be. You know, UTIs are, are, are deadly. You get a staph infection and it goes into your body and your body can't fight it off and you die. And it's a miserable, painful death. Um, sorry, just took a drink. So here's what I learned um, while mom was... Oh, and here's the good news. So 
we had her at St. Francis here in Indianapolis, and we're not Catholics. I don't know why that's important to say, but um, St. Francis was or is a, a fabulous hospital. Um, I don't know if they're good for anything else, but um, the ER was, it didn't, it wasn't like a typical ER. You had your own private room. You weren't, you know, tented off or screened off in a, in a huge room. Uh, you had your own room. And the staff was so friendly. And um, my brother, Scotty, he pushed, um, thank God he was there around to help out, but he pushed for mom to get admitted into the um, acute in-house rehab there at the hospital. Uh, so she would be in the hospital itself up on the sixth floor, but she had to be strong enough to do six, or I'm sorry, three hours of intense rehab a day. And, um, we, Scotty convinced them that, um, you know, if she went back to the facility, then we truly in our heart of hearts believe that she would not make it out alive. We would have been, um, making arrangements for my mom's remains. And um, that's a terrible, terrible thing to think about. Uh, during her stay this time, I was sure she wasn't going to make it out um, at, at least twice. And um, I, it, it makes me angry at myself because I thought like that because that's not normally how I think. Um, but it also makes me angry that the care in the uh, long-term rehab facility the nursing home, that the care was so bad. Um, the, the, the food, mom said that she didn't receive a warm meal the whole time she was there. Um, the, the therapists were good. They were, they were very good. Um, and they pushed her to, to do more than she was expected to do. Um, but the funny thing is they didn't need to push her because she's like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Of course, she would cringe if she knew that I was dropping so many F-words. Um, so she was put into the um, St. Francis Rehab. And she's actually being released today because um, she's fulfilled all of her obligations. She's done everything that she needs to do. And she's proven that she can do everything that's being asked of her. So she's out of there. Um, we'll be going to pick her up in a little while. But here's, here's what I want you to know. Um, if you have somebody who's going into a facility, um, here in Indiana, there's an organization called, I'm going to back up a little bit. If you have somebody going into, if you have somebody who's old enough to be looking like they're going to need your help, don't wait until they're in a facility to start the ball rolling. There are things that you can do now um, to get things ready because it's, it's inevitable. Something is going to happen and they're going to need some help even if it's just help going to the groceries or, you know, going to doctor's appointments because you have to work and you're not able to get off work to go help them. Um, so here are a couple of things that you can do. There's, in Indiana, I don't know that it's anywhere else, but there's a group called SICOA, and that's C-I-C-O-A dot org. And it's, it's a resource. Um, they have case managers that can help with uh, transportation and doctor's appointments and um, if they need to go to basically it's daycare for for grown-ups so they can go and socializing at that age is so so important um, 
I've, I've learned that if it's something that you would do for a four-year-old or a five-year-old or younger, your parents are going to need that as they're older. So as important as it is for a young kid to socialize, it's, it's at the very least that important for a senior to socialize. Um, I found an article, I'm going to put it in the, in the notes, and it's, it's uh, five steps to help advocate for your senior parent. Um, but here, here's the thing that, that I learned. Um, get started ahead of time. Don't wait until it's too late. And if you started the process, because we did, and things are not moving as quickly as you think they should move, find your voice and, and push. Because you have to be able to be the one to make the decisions along with your parent and be the voice for your parent. Um, you don't have to be a paid professional to advocate for your parents. Um, you know, there's, there's three types of advocacy. There's self-advocacy, individual advocacy, and systems advocacy. Um, so individual advocacy is what I'm talking about, where you are advocating for an individual other than yourself and you're not paid to do it. You, you have to be an advocate for your, for your parent. If they have to go into a facility, um, you have to be the voice for them. And you, you can't worry about ruffling somebody's feathers. And I'm not saying call and be an ass nugget and be rude to the people that are working. But if, if your parent calls you because they've not been taken to the toilet and it's been 20 minutes, get loud because they'll be left in their own waste for hours at a time unless you are the, the voice saying this is unacceptable and we're not going to do this. This is my parent you're fucking with. Um, while mom was in her facility, I, I learned to to say, no, this is unacceptable, and insisted twice that she went to the ER the third time. Um, I wasn't as demanding, and I feel like such a shithead, because until she called back um, the second time and I could hear the pain in her voice, I didn't I didn't push to go for her to go to the ER. My, my brother had actually taken care of that. Um, he's far more strong-willed than I am. Um, you have to be strong-willed. If there's something that seems wrong, um, it's probably wrong. And you have to be the voice to make sure that it's right. Get to know your director of nursing on a first-name basis. Um, Stephanie taught me that, and I'm so thankful. It, it turned out it didn't do a lot of good, but I had a contact when I was in panic mode where I could call and scream at somebody to, to get someone down there to help her. Um, get to know the nursing staff. And know who to go to when the others aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Um, there was the the weekend nurse gave me her cell phone. Um, I, I never abused it, but the weekends and, and overnights were the worst. And the, the care just declines exponentially on the weekend and the, in the night overnights. Because there's not a staff... Um, when we had the face-to-face meeting with the director of nursing, she said that they were up to staff according to state standards. So there were 35, 35 or 38 residents in the rehab part of the facility. They had two aides and two nurses. So four people to take care of 35, we'll say 35 to be generous, 35 people. Um, 35 people who have to go to the bathroom, who have to have meals, who have to 
bathe, who have to, you know, until mom was transferred to St. Francis after her UTI, I didn't know that she only bathed one time in the five weeks that she was there. And she was left in her waist for hours at a time. Um, it's just disgusting. So find your voice. You have to be the one to, uh, to get loud. Don't be afraid of hurting somebody's feelings. Um, because it's your parent. You know, whether it's your mom or your dad, they took care of you and made sure that you were who you are today. Good, bad, or indifferent. You know, if, if you're this far into it and you're listening, then um, you've got to be a good person because you're at least interested in finding out what the hell, you know? Um, so that's my personal advice. Um, as for this article... Um, you want to designate one family member as a contact person, and, and that's accurate because if you don't have one specific person, they don't know who to contact. And then information is being given to different people, and it's it's going to get convoluted, and it's going to get changed, handing it down from one person to the next. So it's kind of like that game telephone when you're a kid. You want to make sure you have one person that is your go-to for communicating between the, the facility and the family. Um, when doctor's appointments come up, have someone go to the doctor's appointments. Have a list of every question you need to have. Um, make sure people are on the same page with, with who's going and what they're supposed to communicate afterwards. It is overwhelming to know that the health care of your parent is in your hands. Um, Get to know your doctors. Get to know this, the nursing staff. You know, the nursing staff, they just don't get enough credit for what they do. They're the ones that are keeping your parent calm and keeping your parent motivated. The doctor comes in and does his doctor speak, but the uh, the nursing staff and the, and the aides, um, the people that come in to bathe and, um, and clothe and, you know, the, the everyday necessities, their jobs are so underrated and they're so important. Be kind to them. Um, get to know them and uh, be kind to them. Don't be afraid of asking very specific questions if you need to. Make a list of questions before you go to the doctor's appointments because, again, you're in overwhelm mode and um, you, you want to be ready to ask questions. If, if there's, you know, I, twice we had to tell medical staff that mom didn't have cognitive disabilities she was they asked us asked me twice if if I've noticed a, um, a a loss of memory with mom and she doesn't have a loss of memory she she had a stroke in 2000 and I had to explain that to them and then they were like oh okay that makes sense and the way that she was treated was different because they they treated her like she understood so um if you have questions for them, ask them questions, write it down. And if, if they don't answer you, don't leave until you have your answers. You, you are the person that has to have peace of mind so that you can relay that to your parent. Um, before everything goes down, get a medical health care directive. And that's so that you can make decisions and if something happens and, and decisions have to be made, you've got the legal authority. Um, keep a list of, of their medications. 
Um, we've had to twice scramble for a list of mom's medications. So now I keep um, pictures of all of her medications on a secure file on my phone so that if something else happens, it's right there. And now that I'm thinking about it, I know that we need to get it written down and put in her wallet because if for whatever reason we're not there, um, they need to know they need to know what's going on. While they're in the um, facility, if if they mention something with their meds not being right, trust them. Um, Mom was taking taken completely off of her potassium, and she questioned it. And when she questioned the nursing staff, she didn't get an answer, and it took us asking several times to get an answer. And Mom's got a uh, a chronic potassium deficiency, so which could cause her to have a heart attack. So, um, you know, that's it. There, You can go online and find nightmares. Um, and right now, especially with COVID, some of the nightmares can't be avoided because we can't, we can't get into the facility. Um, it's so important that you pick up the phone and you call them. Yeah, they're going to be tired, um, but they're scared. And if, if they know that there's a voice that's listening to them, pick up the fucking phone and call your parent, you know, or if it's your grandma, pick up the phone and call your grandma. Even if it's just long enough to say, hey, what's up? Okay. You sitting in poop? Nope. Okay. You need some jello? You know, things like that. Make sure they know that they're not forgotten. You know, make sure you encourage them. If, if in mom's case, the first time she took 18 steps, I, I was like a baby taking her first steps. It was, it was so exciting to me. Um, and now mom is is going home. And she she nagged the nursing staff at St. Francis to get her cleared so she can actually go home three days early. So uh, don't be afraid to be a voice for your mom or your dad or your grandparents, you know, whatever the case is. And make sure make sure you let them know that you love them with every single phone call and that you're proud of them for even the smallest accomplishments because it's terrifying for them being in those places and the fact that they're mentally tough enough and physically tough enough to still be here you know give them credit and make sure that they know that you know how strong they have been and don't be afraid to say I'm sorry you know, if, if something happens and you fuck up, like when I didn't take her backache, seriously, don't be afraid to, to say, man, I'm so sorry. You know, and mom's response was, no, you didn't do anything wrong, but man, I feel like a shithead. So, okay, there go the tears. So, um, that is what I've got to say about advocating for your for your loved one um yep i think that's all i've got okay next time okay well that got a little weepy there at the end didn't it i rattled on and on and on on that um, so if you stuck around to the back, thanks. Um, if you didn't, that's okay. I, I don't blame you. Um, it was
was rattling. So I'm going to do a better job with notes so that I can keep myself on track maybe a little bit better. And um, I will see you back around in a couple of weeks. If there's something specifically you want to talk about, let me know. And we'll see what we can do. That's all I've got, so make sure you tell the people that you love, that you love them often, and um, you know, try to be happy out there. The world needs more of that. Take care of yourself, and go have a good week. Take care.